In this episode of 92i Talks, Caitlyn Jenner and author Jennifer Finney Boylan discuss transgender identity and courage. The conversation was recorded on April 25th, 2017, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. Well, that Thank was... you for that. That's interesting. Boy, we've been through a lot together, haven't we? Oh my gosh, that bus. I was you know how many times the... I called her? And you know, we talk about we met before that first dinner because I was doing the Diane Sawyer interview, which was coming up. And to be honest with you, I had never met anybody who was trans up to that point. I never yeah. met anybody trans until that day you guys walked in and we had dinner together. You never met an English professor, actually. <laughs> actually, I, I will give you this. See, I was a dyslexic kid. Um, um, I, I got C's in English just because I had to stay eligible for sports. And I never really got along with English teachers. I never and got I along have with, to with admit, the Catholics. You have become my favorite English Aww. teacher. You know, yes, my favorite English teacher. But anyway. And you're um, my favorite Olympian. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you and good night. That's it. That's it. This is, you know, you pat my back, I'll pat you. All right, we're good. Um, but no, we've had a, a great relationship. I had so much to learn, especially at the beginning, and you've been such, um, you know, writing on this, uh, reading your book, uh, having the opportunity to get to know you. You've always, although we differ in a lot of things, uh, we always have uh, the same intentions, and that is to do a better job for our community. Um, and that's where my heart lies, so, yeah. Yeah, you're here. Well, here we are at this great cultural institution in the city of New York, um, and it seems appropriate to begin with a question about faith, in fact. Okay. Um, tell me, how has your belief in God challenged you on your journey, and how has it been a strength? Um, that's an excellent question. Seth Meyer didn't ask because, you that. Oh, one, yeah, because I think <laughs> you put it both ways. Challenged you. Um, uh, it's very interesting to me. To me, my faith played a very big role in what I'm doing. Um, I am a Christian, uh, and uh, I've always gone to church. I, not all the time, and I'm not a devout Christian, but I certainly believe in God. I believe in faith. I think it's a good way for me to conduct my life. And that was always a struggle for me. Um, Growing up, I would think to myself, why did God put all these questions in my head? Uh, doubting myself, doubting my identity, doubting who I was. Um, why, why, why? And that was my entire life. Why did you do this? Is there a reason? Am I doing a good job? You name it. Yeah. I mean, there's a question. Did, did God, I, I, remember, I remember struggling, you know, why... Did, you know, what, what, was, what was the idea? Was this, was this you know, I mean, and, and I remember wrestling with that. And, and yes, I, I, all, and I've talked to so many trans women who have any faith whatsoever, which a lot of them do. They're very religious in a lot of ways. And they've all said the same thing. Why? Why me? Why, do my, why is this thought going through my head all the time? Here's a good question, okay? I'll just take the girls. The guys can do the same thing. Well, I'll just point it to the girls. Girls. I'm gonna ask you a very simple question, and I want you to take just a second to think about it, okay? And here's the simple question. When did you know you were a girl? Yeah, you can hear the audience going, well, I, always. They, everyone, yeah. like, right down here in the front, they all go, wait, right here, from Yale, it looks like Yale, giggling like, <laughs> What, 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 nobody's probably ever asked you that question, did they? Okay? It's a great question. Kate Bornstein uh, on our show, and she's like, uh, I love Kate. Who sends her regrets, who's going to be here tonight and couldn't make it, so she sends her love. Oh, yeah, I know. I talked, actually, I talked okay. to her yesterday. All right, okay. Yeah, she's off giving a speech. Um, anyway, she asked my daughters, Kendall and Connie, that question. And I, I sat back and I watched Kendall. And now Kendall, here she is, the number one model in the world. She had her face just a couple of weeks ago on the entire Empire State Building. And yeah, I was like, are you kidding me, my daughter? Um, and um, you could just see the perplexed look on their face. And, and Kylie goes, uh, uh, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that question. And the reason I asked the question is because that probably 
was one of the first times you ever thought about identity and about who you are as a person. You've taken it for granted all these years. You just take it for granted, this is who I am. But for a person that suffers from gender dysphoria, being transgender, whatever word you want to use, because there's a lot of words to use here, um, that's what a trans person goes through every day of their life. They sit there and they can't identify in their head about who they really are as a person. What is inside their soul, male or female? And, and it just, in most cases, doesn't match with what you have on the outside. The intensity level is different for different trans people. But that question is in your head. It was in my head from when I can remember five, six, seven years old to the age of 65 when I finally transitioned because I just couldn't take it any longer. I had to do something. So that to yeah. me always is, uh, I like saying that and asking people that because I think that's what this community yeah. is about. It's that question in your head. It's not about sexuality. It has nothing to do with that. It is about who you are as a person. And for somebody who has gender dysphoria, that question will never go away. The question is, yeah. how do you deal with it? What is the best route for me to deal with it, to find happiness and contentment in your life? Yeah, I used to think that I was here in some ways uh, that God was, had um, positioned me um, to pose a question to other people. How loving can you be? How much love is in your heart? Do you have the ability to reach out with love to someone whom you, whom you, may, you really may not understand? Um, and I also thought that it was, that for me, that it was like God was saying, um, here, here is, here's the challenge that I'm setting you, and I want to know if you have the courage to, to, make, to meet that challenge. And I remember thinking, really, a, a woman? That's, that's, that's what you have in store for me? Like, couldn't I be like, I don't know, an Olympian? Or, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I tried that, oh, yeah. it didn't work. <laughs> Yeah. And well, it worked in some ways. I did win. Um, well, and broke the world record three times. But who's talking about records? Oh, uh, here we yes. go again with the yeah. Olympics. Always who's with the Olympics. Who's talking season. about those? Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. the same. It's the same. <laughs> I, I had all those feelings going through me. But in the final thought, in the final, in the end, when it talks about, when I talk about faith, the last person besides um, my family my close friends, my relatives, my fam, you know, my parents, my mom, and all of those people, the last hurdle I had to get over to know that I was doing the right thing in transitioning uh, was my faith and with God. And so I call up my pastor, Pastor Brad, California pastor Community Brad. Church. Pastor Brad. Pastor Brad. And um, I love Pastor Brad. He's great. And I called him up and I said, and this is when the tabloids for two or three years were just just destroying me on a weekly basis. I couldn't go grocery shopping because I walked through the grocery counter and then there's some BS cover shot of, on, you know, on the top of People magazine with my face on some woman's body and they did everything. They were horrible, horrible people. And so I called him up and everybody knew the rumor bill was going on and this and that. I called him up and I said, you gotta come over. Okay, I'll come over. We'll come down, sit down. And after a very long conversation, I kind of had, a, a, a feeling inside me that, you know what, like you say, this is what, maybe this is the reason God put me on this earth. At this point in time, at uh, this point in my life, to number one, you cannot do this if you don't know it's the right thing in your soul to do. You have to be comfortable with yourself to be able to do that. Um, and secondly, in doing that, and if I do it the right way, and I take it out of the gutter, which it is right now, okay, and which is, it's a big problem we have in our community, you got to take it out of that and let's raise it up here. How can we do that so I can bring this issue forward? Well, let me ask a question. Why do you, th why do you think it took, I mean I, I mean, I hope you take this the right way. Why did it take, until you were 65, why did it take... Um, I mean, I know it, it takes as long as it takes, but... Um, yeah. I talk you, about it extensively, my journey in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Why did it take 65 years? Good reason. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of living to do. 
Um, I, I, I say that um, I had a lot of distractions in my life where I just ran away from my feelings and this from, you know, I guess a good distraction would be going out and winning the Olympic decathlon. Yeah, I guess that would That's be one way to get away and prove your masculinity and about who you are. But then all of a sudden, at the age of 26, you know, I won the games and retired that night. It was over with. And I, I remember the next morning looking in the mirror, no clothes on, gold medal around my neck, look in the mirror and go, oh, my God, what do I do now? But I got into work. I got into family, started raising kids, um, you know, doing everything I could. And, and I said at one point, I said, uh, you know, they were a distraction. And they go, oh, you know, like Kendall and Kylie and all the girls go, oh, so that's why. We were just a distraction. And I go, no, 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 no. It, was, it wasn't you. It was a distraction from who I was. It wasn't you. You I love. And it's, it's wonderful. And I love being a parent. And I love carpool. I love raising my kids. Um, giving them advice, and I'm just so proud of them now. They've all done so mm. extremely well, and they're hardworking kids. But all of that was a distraction from myself. And in the book, I talk a lot about the 80s. The 80s were by far my worst years. From like 1980. Yeah, I saw your movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> what, what was the name of that movie, Caitlin? Can't Stop Don't the... even go there. Okay. <laughs> It was called Can't Stop the Music, which proved they could stop the music. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we kind of missed on that one. Actually, from that standpoint, we did a lot of good. I got really high acclaims for a movie called Grampling's White Tiger. It's a true story of the first white football player to go to Grambling College. We produced it, uh, got it done for NBC, got in the top 10 movies of the year. It's hmm. really a great project. But Can't Stop the Music, yeah, kind of came in and it was left fairly yeah. quickly. Yeah. But it's like a cult movie, and you can find it online, so I know. It's about disco. <laughs> yes, and the village people. Um, anyway, yeah. how did you get me off on uh, this I'm stuff? Sorry, I'm I sorry. was going on we're a point that you were was talking about. You are talking about distractions. Uh, uh, yeah, so all these things. Uh, and, and there I got to my entire life, raising all my children. I loved raising. I loved being a parent. And then there I was back out in Malibu, where I literally had been in a house in the 80s for six years and never really came out besides to buy food and once in a while to go to work. Um, and I thought to myself, oh my God, here I am. And at a nicer house in Malibu, it's on the beach, it's a nice place, but is this my life? I'm at that time like 63. Is this my life? Am I gonna wind up secluding myself in this house and sneaking around and lying to people to live my life. And I said, I can't do that. Um, I remember when I was younger and I was training for the games and I would train six to eight hours a day, every day, 365 days out of the year. And I'd be out there and I was living on like $10,000 a year, okay? Driving a $175, 1963 VW Bug and my rent was $145 a month, and that was the only payment I had, was $145 a month. All I had to do on top of that is buy food. And uh, I trained. Uh, and, to, and I would go out there, and I'd be running, and you know, I'd run, actually, in the off-season, 70 miles a week. And I'd be doing my running and getting it in, and this and that, and you have a lot of time to think. And I would think, you know, I see all these other people who are in there, middle to mid-20s, and they're out there trying to make it. They're trying to start a business, start a career, move on, build something for the future. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm out here running, going down an absolute dead-end road, okay? There's nothing at the end besides a medal. True amateurism back there, okay? I wasn't getting paid to do it. I wasn't making any money doing it. And at the end, if I'm really good and trained really hard, I get a medal. And it's not even real gold. <laughs> but there is only one in the world like it. That's, that's the important part. And I get to stand on a stage with great athletes that I had such respect for in the past who had won the Olympic decathlon, like Jim Thorpe and Bob Mathias and Rayford Johnson, Milk Campbell, all these guys before me. I get to stand on it. But that's it. Well, but also, and it's funny, it was a great accomplishment 
that in some ways it may have meant more to people who were not you. I mean, America in 1976, I mean, yeah. you, um, you captured a moment in the country's um, imagination, in the country's history, and um, I mean, there's been a lot of athletes who've won gold medals for the Olympians, um, uh, but you know, there was only one you, and there's a reason why that, that moment, and it was, in part, it was because of that moment in history, um, uh, but it was also because of, because of you and because of there's a certain yeah. courage. Uh, I was very fortunate. Um, uh, I happened to be the right person in the right place at the right time at the games in 1976. Actually, 1976 in Montreal, it was the highest rated Olympic Games of all time, by far. I mean, the ratings in 1976 were three times higher than the ratings we have today for the Olympics. It was for a lot of reasons. It was the last Olympics before the cable industry came in, so there was only three networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Uh, there was only three, we only had three stations in 1976. Uh, HBO, ESPN came in latter 70s, and the cable industry started. Now there's you know, 300 channels to choose from. It's fractionalized the audience. Um, it was... Um, the last amateur Olympics. It came after what the terrible tragedy we had in 1972 with the uh, terrorists coming in and killing uh, 11 uh, uh, Israeli athletes in the village in 1972 in Munich. Uh, actually happened in the building right next to me. Yeah. Um, that sparked a lot of interest is what's gonna happen. It was our bicentennial year. Our country was celebrating 200 years old, you know, and it was three weeks after the biggest birthday celebration this country's ever had at 200 years. Um, there was a lot of things going on at the time that made people really watch the games. It was all done live because yeah. it was in Canada uh, with a New York time zone. So all of these things went tremendous ratings, and there we didn't do very well in track and field, and all of a sudden I was the one Rune Arledge spent a lot of time. Uh, I, not only did I win, I broke the world record at the time. They spent a lot of time, you know, covering that. And bango, there I was. And bango, there she was. There I there, was. Well, there, there you were. 40 um, years later, so, still milking it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't hey, it wonderful? Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 But no, if, I'm just um, kidding. So, it, so it's, it's this wonderful accomplishment, but yet it's also a moment of emptiness for you. And you, just, you describe the distractions in your life, um, uh, or the, the the events that maybe I shouldn't say distraction, but things things that kept you from dealing uh, embarking with embarking on, on the journey. Yeah. If if you had not met um, Chris Kardashian um, and gotten married, do you think you would have transitioned earlier? I couldn't do it at the time. I made the decision. I yeah, just yeah, but if you hadn't it. met her, let's just say, let's say that 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 that's a turn that never happened in your life. And uh, at the time in 1989, uh, when I thought I would transition before 1990, um, I just couldn't do it. I had been on hormones for four and a half years. I had all my electrolysis done. I had all these things that I tried just to make me feel better about myself. Um, but I, I just couldn't go any further. Uh, within society, it wasn't the right time. I can't tell you that it wouldn't be 1998 that I would do it. Maybe eight years later, I don't know. Yeah. But I wasn't planning on it. I thought, I just have to get back to life. You know, I got to okay. play Bruce, and I met Chris, and we hit it off from day one. I was honest with her. I'm sure I downplayed it, but I was honest with her about, I had to be, I'd been on hormones for you know, four and a half years before that. Yeah. And as you know, there are some effects that go on. There are some yes, effects. Yes, there are. So there are some effects, so. Well, we might as well hover on that for a moment because Chris is on record as taking issue with some of the narrative. <gasps> uh, she is? Uh, <laughs> no! So, so what's your? Say it ain't so! <laughs> so what's your, what's your response to that? Don't do this to me. Um, <clears throat> I say so well, many nice things about Chris in that book. You do? Oh, yeah, I do. Thank you. You read it. I did. And it's a nice, I say a lot of nice things. Indeed. Did you didn't take it away when you read it, because you're an outsider, you didn't take away, say, oh, my God, I just nailed her. No, I didn't think, I thought it was, I thought it was generous, but uh, I'm also aware that she's now 
uh, saying that, thing, that things are not true. Yes, but she's saying them um, uh, <laughs> on a reality show that has a lot of drama in it. Wait a minute, you're saying, wait, I thought that was all completely real. It, I guess it's real in her heart. <laughs> no, it is on that. Uh, but no, that's, it's not just that. Um, actually, um, yeah, I, uh, uh, it's disappointing. Um, I, I wish she hadn't have gone there. It just didn't need to be on television of her if there's any problems well, with her in the book. She, she called it, oh, it's all made up. No, it isn't. That's all, and I have enough people around me. It turns out me. you actually are trans. I can, I well, can yes, verify. Well, yes, even when I, when I married her and this and that, I, I never thought, even when Chris and I were going our separate directions like four years ago, I never thought I would be able to transition. No, not in a million years. I just needed to get out of that environment that I was in. I needed my freedom. Um, uh, uh, yes, and we weren't getting along. We are both kind of yeah. at each other. And it was a mutual decision. Uh, we both said, she went out and found the house for me. You know, she went out, she went to Malibu. <laughs> That's kind said, of a message. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> That's well, kind of, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I was spouse, gonna go look. Spouse buys you another house. No, I was, way. I was gonna go look for a place. And she goes, no, let me, let me look and I'll see what's available and what's out there. So I said, okay, no problem. And then she got it down to like two houses, uh, called me up and I went to the first one and I thought, eh, because I wanted a house that was private because uh, I needed privacy. And, uh, Let's use our imaginations. Yeah. And then the other one uh, was actually much more private. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, I said, I like that one. And she goes, okay. Uh, we leased the house only for like a year and a half. And I remember we took uh, possession of it June 1st, which was about a month away. And she told me, and hey, you know, I love her for doing it. She, you know, she wanted to have a nice home for me to be in. Mm. Um, and uh, she, over that month, worked really hard. And the day we took it on June 1st uh, at like 8 o'clock in the morning, she goes, I cannot come over until that night and she'll call me. So I came over that night and a completely empty house was fully furnished, every TV was working, it was, uh, she had like 50 people there, truck after truck after truck coming in. She, she's so well organized, I mean, I give her a lot well, of Well, that's credit. one word for it. Yeah, and I walked in at 10 o'clock that night, the dryer even worked, everything worked, the house yeah, but was, it, none of it was perfect. Your, but none of it was your stuff. I mean, she-, she I got she, it in the divorce. No, 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 she but actually I mean, bought but, all new stuff. She I mean, had but, but I mean, she bought the stuff, but, well, anyway. Well, she bought I'm the not, stuff, I'm, yeah. not trying to, I'm not trying to rake you through the marriage. She, no, but I know. I, it's, no, but she, um, you know, she has very good taste. Well, yeah. And she actually worked a deal with Restoration Hardware, and she <laughs> loves that stuff, and I do too, and it's very comfortable and very nice. Our conversation today brought to you by Restoration Hardware. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And uh, she, you know, she does a lot of business with them, and so yeah. I'm sure she got, I didn't, I didn't look to see what it was costing. Yeah. But anyway, it was just, it was a very nice yeah. thought of hers. It, and well, here you are putting her down, but it's, it's her thought. And so, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah sometimes, uh, yeah, there are differences of opinion when something happens. And I have my opinion, she has yours. Um, she can go write her own book. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you. But it wouldn't be as juicy as mine. Well, I guess, my we'll, story. I guess we'll find out. Um, I, I want to ask, I remember, um, speaking of Kardashians, when we were doing the show, I remember uh, the, the, um, the, the docuseries, um, I Am Kate. I remember uh, your daughter Kim had a piece of advice that she gave you that's always stuck in my head. Um, and she said, and tell me if I have this right, I, um, this is just from memory, when, after you came out to her, she said something like, you have to work it every day. Rock it. Rock it. You have to rock it every day. So, okay. was that good advice? Actually, yes. And what did she mean by that? You have to rock it every day. Well, when I first told her, probably two or three years earlier, she was, Kim was actually the first one I talked to about this, uh, besides my sister Pam. But she was the first one in the immediate family. Now, everybody kind of knew. Actually, Kim caught me one time. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, she's got a book. Yeah. Um, and everybody knew, and, and, you know, you walk down the grocery store line, and there's my picture, you know, with, uh, you know, all sorts of crap over. So my kids, yeah, I, I remember they that. knew that we're going. They knew something was going on, yeah. but it was the little ugly story that nobody would talk about. So finally, two or three years earlier, she, you know, we were in the kitchen or something. She goes, what the hell's going on with you? You know. Yeah. And I go, uh, well, and at this point, I just wanted to talk to people. I'm mm -hmm. sick and tired of not just hiding all this stuff inside. And she had her own home at the time. And I said, I'll tell you what, your house is quiet. Nobody's there. I'll come over and I'll tell you everything. She goes, okay. So I go over there. I tell her my story. I tell her what I've been dealing with. She was very nice, open-minded. Um, but then, and every time, and as you know, every time you tell your story to somebody, it's like taking all that weight off your shoulders. This one person I don't have to lie to anymore. Right. You know? Um, and it's just, you get a smile on your face and think, oh, okay. Yeah, but. One less person. But, but the, then the, the, she never talked about it again for the next two or three years. And of course then, in your mind, as you know, you go, oh my God, she, does she think I'm a freak? Why won't she even talk about it? And I don't want to bring the subject up again. She never, you know. And so all these things are going through your head. Then finally, eventually, years later, I finally decided, you know what? And I went through everybody. I'm finally going to do this. And uh, I took each kid, all 10 of them, and I brought them one at a time over to my house. I didn't want to get them together because I didn't want it to gang up on me. Well, there are 10 of them, so. Yes. So it was a lot of work. The first one I brought was Brandon, and Brandon was great. Brandon is my, I don't know if you know my son. Do you ever go on YouTube and watch Brandon and Leah? Uh, my son, he's got a band, he sings, he writes music. Brandon and Leah, they're just, mm. they just are so good, so talented. They don't work it very hard in the music industry, but they're just so good. They write all their own stuff. They're great. Go check them out, Brandon and Leah. But um, I go over to Brandon's because I figure he's my little Gandhi in the family. This one's going to be easy. And I sit him down and I tell him, because he already knew his mother had told him, but nobody would talk to me. So Brandon goes to me. He goes, Dad? I said, yes. He goes, I have always been very proud to be your son. He goes, if I go to the airport and I, I hand them my ID and they see Brandon Jenner, they always go, oh, is Bruce Jenner your father? And he'd go, yes. And they go, the, the people behind the counter, oh, Bruce comes through here all the time and he's so nice and sweet and, you know, what a great dad and this and that. And he said, it'll always make me feel very proud to be your son. He goes, but I've never been more proud of you than I am right now. And I, you know, I'll start yeah. crying again. Um, well, that yeah, was, it was a very that... emotional moment. It, I felt right then that I'll be okay. Um, and I slowly, because I started there, I figured he'd be the good one, and he was. Um, and then slowly go through each child one at a time. Uh, when I got to Kim, <laughs> and she had already known the story, but she doesn't know now the rest of the story. I got to Kim, and we sat down, and I said, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm going through with this. I, I just cannot take it any longer. And she goes, uh, oh, my God, you are? When I told my sister, my sister goes, oh, my God, what are my girlfriends going to say? I went, I'm not worried about your girlfriends, okay? <laughs> Sorry. But I think everybody within the family wondered, oh, my God, how can, how can you do this? Well, that, that, advice, that advice, though, about, um, I'm pulling you back to this, the, you've got a rocket. Re the reason I want to ask you about that is... is um, oh, I know, yeah. That, that, well, so, I mean, I well think, that was Kim's I think, advice. I mean, I think of your daughters, obviously, as uh, kind of titans of fashion, fashion and style. And as Kim and said to me one time, okay, and I asked her some fashion question or whatever it is, and she goes to me and looks at me, she goes... You have to realize, I am fashion. Well, I, I, I thought it was pretty funny. But have, when I you think about it, she kind of is. What I, she wears, I, if, if you know, that over was the last my daughter, I would have slapped her. Is going to have an impact. 
What? I said, if it was my daughter, I would have slapped her. No, oh, I my am God. Fashion. I am fashion. You know, yeah. It's like it's I'm, a joke. I'm, she didn't like me. It's, no, it was but, a blind... But, but, you but know, she was she, serious when she said you have to rock it. And what, well, I, she was. And so the next thing that evening when I was talking to her and I said I'm going to do it, the first thing she, she goes, first of all, she goes, uh, oh, my God, then what's your name? Thank you. And I go, yeah. And I go, um, well, it's going to be Caitlin. She goes... Oh, thank God you stayed with the K's. <laughs> and I go, no, it's with a C. And she goes, oh, really? I had to get a little distance there from the family. Uh, yeah, I remember being really happy when I learned that you were Yeah, with it was Caitlin with a C. And then she says, well, if you do it, you, you, you got to rock it. I mean, you got to take this seriously. You got to look good. That was good advice, but... Um, but does it put too much but pressure But I know on within you? the community, within the at. community, within the community, and you in particular, yes, you, um, I get my picture taken every day, okay? Um, the paparazzis are out there literally every day. I go get coffee, I get my picture taken. Uh, I go to the golf course. Do you I think if you looked taken. crappier, you they'd know stop many, taking your picture? You know how many pictures? <laughs> What's that? I said, if you looked crappier, maybe they'd stop taking your picture. No, that would be the story. <laughs> I had one time, okay, I had one time, and they're looking for that bad shot. I will never walk out of Starbucks because, when, and usually I, I get a little, um, uh, uh, a little um, straw that I put in top, not to sip the coffee, but just because if I'm driving around the car, it doesn't spill out, you know, so, and then I sip out of the straw. But I'll never, or take a, take a, hit on the coffee while I'm walking out of Starbucks. Why? Yeah. Because then that will be the story. You'll see me, yeah. you know, goggling it down, and then that'll be all over the, that'll be in 15 minutes, it'll be in Germany. Yeah. You know? I, uh, I, and so I have to be very careful, so I never, I never do it, okay? So the other day, I was coming out of Starbucks last week. I go play golf in the afternoon if I'm not working, and I go, then I go to this little Starbucks, and I got about a 20-minute drive over the hill to my house. And so I stopped there, get a little latte, and then sip on it on the way home. And so what, and I walk out, and I don't know if the paparazzis are there, so I'm checking the parking lot out to see where they're at. I didn't see anybody. And so I thought, okay, I could take a sip. Take a little sip. Walk over to the car. And just before I get in the car, I look over, and there is a paparazzi in there, okay? And he's not only on the other side of the car, he's shooting from the far side of the car through both windows that are open, through both windows, and get a shot of me. And I thought, oh, they got a picture of me sipping on my coffee. But, but does that mean that the world has The next end? day, there it was in the Daily Mail, you know, from London, you know, me sipping on my coffee. The, the reason I, the reason, and we should, uh, we have a, some wonderful questions in the oh, audience. Oh, good. Let's go to and the questions. The, the, I guess I just feel like there was a lot of pressure on you, um, and, and it was really, in some I, ways, unfair. Um, I got, you didn't teach the, me right. I blame this on you. Oh, it's me. Again, it's Jenny Boylan. I got in trouble for that because um, I, I do try to take my appearance seriously. Um, and I made a statement a long time ago. Boy, did I correct it. I, I said, yeah, my appearance is important. Um, I wanted to feel good about myself, but I didn't want to really look like a man in a dress. And I said it of my own personal taste. And boy, did the community come down on me. Do you understand why they did yes, that? Yes, I do understand why now. But at the time, I thought it was very innocent. Yeah. And then the media goes crazy on that. You know, Caitlin doesn't want to look like a man in a dress when there are so many people in our community that have a hard time conforming. Yeah. And, and I realized that at that time, then I, now I realize that. And I, you know, probably brought that back. I mean, we're all who are suffering with gender identity issues. We're all on this boat together. Some people are very happy to be out there as, as Invisible. you know, kind of, yeah. A, yeah. I guess, I guess yeah. what I mean is, is there any way, I mean, now, so looking back two years from when you came out, was there any way that it could have been easier for you? I just think that there was so much pressure on you. There was such, so many, so much of an expectation that you would be the kind of instant Jackie Robinson of the, of the movement, that you would be, that you'd be perfect in every moment. And that some of that pressure, I think you also put on yourself because, of because, because of, of, uh, because of the, um, 
because of the family that you're from, because of, of wanting to, um, to, to, um, to rock it all the time. And is, was there any, I mean, I know that they take your picture, you know, when you're at, at, at Starbucks. Um, was there, is this just how it was going to be for you, given the fact that you were um, uh, I don't this see American it changing. icon? Was there anything um, that you could have done differently? Oh, there sure is a lot of things I could have done differently. But I look now, I wouldn't have done anything differently. Um, all the mistakes I learned from, if I got pounded by the community, I said, okay, well, maybe I should really seriously think about that and change the way I word something, change the way I do something. So uh, those were all learning situations. Yeah, nobody's perfect. I'm and not I, yeah, perfect. Yeah, it does make me think, you know, to you know, people. I'm not people... like you. I'm not perfect in any oh. way. You know? Yeah, well, guess what? There was, you know, I wasn't Jenny Boylan when I started either. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know. I, I, I you know, don't I, even know your old name. And shall we keep it that way? I'll no, tell you, I really you know, don't you know, want you know, to. You know what? My name. I changed my last name. My name was Mark Spitz. <laughs> now you know. And I think I think I got like ten medals. No, it was actually it was seven. Oh shit! <laughs> hey, let's get to that some. That was of very these. good. That was let's, a good comeback. Oh my god! Let's get to some. That's of these. why you're my favorite English teacher. Oh my god! You're my favorite. Is your book that creative? My, you mean the new book? The, Long the new Black book? Tale? Yeah, you got another book out. I've got another book out. She remembered. Yeah, Long Black Veil, uh, which is also out this. Uh, God, I, I had this whole conversation with my publisher. Do you think it's a good idea to publish it like the same week as Caitlin's book? They said, oh, no. It'll, people won't pay any attention to Caitlin's book. Are you kidding? So. Well, I wish you the best. Yeah, it's a, it's a novel. <laughs> but I'm going to destroy you. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ow. No, but I'll come out and promote your book anytime. Yay. Yeah, I'll pro yeah. I'm promoting yours right now. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, I know. That's Long Black Veil is, is a, a novel of suspense, and it is. Um, it begins when six friends from college are are accidentally locked inside an abandoned. Is this prison. your first fiction book? First, first novel in twenty. A years. novel. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it ha these students get locked inside this old prison, and then they find that behind those walls they are not alone. Ooh. Is but. Also, Are there any kind of people, gender non-conforming people, like people in it? Well, it's a novel of suspense, so no spoilers, but people familiar with my work and your work will not be shocked to learn that um, some of the characters struggle with Our identity. Struggle with their identity, yeah. which so. is okay, okay, I got it, all right. Hey, let's get to some of these questions. Let's get to the questions. Uh, let's see, how about this one? Um, when you were a child and dreamed, were you a boy or a girl? Ah, And what excellent. do you dream as now? It's from Susan Gottlieb asked this question. You know what? I, I thought about that because people would ask me, um, and I would think about it. When I was growing up and this and that, uh, I dreamed primarily as Bruce. But every once in a while, at that time I didn't know what her name was eventually going to be, I dreamed about my struggle, okay? Um, I dreamed about all the things that I was going through, but I never really was her, but I dreamed about her struggle mm. of being afraid that, you know, I was going to get caught or, you know, uh, shopping or whatever it may be as her. Um, I did that. Um, pretty much now I'm all her, so I dream that way. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah, all that other stuff's kind of gone. Do you dream? You know, that's worth applause, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, well, we might as well get to this one. Heidi. Um, uh, a Salgal, I think, is the name, asks, if President Trump offered you a position to represent oh, your community on a government level, <laughs> would you take it? Yeah, I didn't even okay. read it. I didn't make no, it up. No, no, I, and think I, I think, I you know up? what? That is a legitimate <laughs> question. Um, 
Uh, I, I certainly have always been on the Republican side. I, be, I believe in simple things like the Constitution and limited government and, um, you know, those types of things. Uh, a round of applause for I've the Constitution. Round, yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. A round of applause for our Constitution made this country. And um, I think those are very important documents. And so, uh, yes, I, I lean towards the Republican Party because uh, they... Uh, are closer certainly than the Democrats to you know, staying at limited government, although I've been very disappointed with them over the last few years. And so um, uh, I've thought about, because I've done some speaking over the years, over the last you know, 30 years in, in, at Republican events, and every time I do that, <clears throat> everybody comes up and says, oh my God, because I've been speaking forever. Oh my God, you should run for office. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right, I want to run for office, okay? And I was thinking, I got way too many skeletons in my closet, man. <laughs> they would, uh, they had have some reporter digging into me and I would be dead. They would, I, I wouldn't have a chance that I got all this stuff in my head, you know, sneaking around doing this and that. I said, they would destroy me. I, there's no way I could do it. Now I got no more secrets. Is there anything, <laughs> anything you'd like to announce tonight? Yeah. Well, I just announced it on CNN a minute ago. No, I didn't. Scooped again. It on CNN. Um, I would, I, I am in the future going to look. I want, because my loyalties are not with the Republican Party. My loyalties are not with Donald Trump. I'll come after him and come after Republicans as they start screwing up with my community. Okay? That's, and I got a voice. I got a voice. And they better listen. Okay? Um, because I will come after them. Um, uh, and so I, I look over the next year or two, I would look and where can I be more effective to helping my community? Am I going to be more effective on the outside, raising money for my foundation, um, doing things, being places, being a spokesperson, being critical of the Republican Party if they screw up, being critical of Trump if he screws up when it comes to my community? Um, or at some point, would I be better working from the inside? And if that is the case in another year or two, uh, I would seriously look at a run. Yeah, wow. I, I would. And so... You heard it first right here, folks. Yeah. I, I would seriously look at something. It just depends where I could be more effective. That's I've already heard people come up and say they you know, back you and do this and that. They would love to see me do it, so... The thing I was thinking about when you were talking about what you were saying before, you couldn't run because of all the secrets. The, the secrets the now, in the book, I've got no more. Yeah, so the name of the book is um, The, Secret, the, the secrets, secrets of My, my Life and My Political Ambitions. And Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, yeah. I, I've said before that, at least in my own case, um, the biggest difference was not going from male to female. It was going from someone who, who lived a life that was defined by its secrets to someone who is living a life without secrets. Yes, I um, totally agree. As, how has that been for you? Um, is it possible to separate the life that you live now? Is it possible to separate the being female part of it from just the part of it that's, you don't, you don't have secrets. You don't have um, it's a this. a wonderful, wonderful way to go through life. It's amazing, right? Without any secrets. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got things that in their head that they're dealing with. It doesn't have to be gender. It's anything. Sexual orientation, uh, family issues, um, you know, insecurity issues. Everybody's got stuff. My book is about my stuff. It's a very personal, intimate look of my stuff and all the things that I had to have to deal with. And that journey through 65 years to eventually getting to the point where I, I had to deal with my stuff, do what I had to do, in this case, transition, live my life authentically. I just couldn't go anymore. It was time for her to live. It's time to take little Bruce, put him inside, and let her go. Let's see <laughs> what this broad can do, okay? Can she make a dent in the world? Could she make a difference in the world? And what a great opportunity as a human being to be playing life in the fourth quarter and have an opportunity to make a difference, not just here, but around the world, and bring a very marginalized community forward 
and into the sunlight instead of being in the shadows. Here, here. So, so that was that was my mission, and um, it's uh, it's been quite a road. And I'm a long ways from you know getting to where I want to get. You know, I was talking um, uh, with. Uh, with Don over at uh, CNN today, and, and I was looking and watching uh, the weather the other day on Good Morning America, and they had um, Sam Champion on. You know, he does been doing the weather here, ABC, forever and ever and ever. And uh, they were sitting, standing there talking. Sam Champion's been on for the weather for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. It seems like I've seen him there. And they were doing a little roundtable discussion before I ran off to do the weather, and. And uh, they were talking about, he was talking about him and his husband. And everybody at the table was like, oh, no big deal, no big deal, you know. And um, uh, I'm sitting there watching that, and I'm thinking, wait a second. I bet you 20, 25, 30 years ago, when he started in the weather business, he had to keep his mouth shut about he was gay. Yeah. Okay? It just would not bring it up. And to see how far the gay movement has come in acceptance and being able to be on camera talking about his husband. Yeah. Okay? That is, in, in such a, in, within humankind and history, that's like a millisecond that people's attitude has changed, everything. Um, I would like that for the trans community. I would like to take this very marginalized community that has been hiding in, in the shadows, not you. You ain't been hiding nowhere, girl. Um, <laughs> and, and take that forward. And hopefully somewhat in my lifetime, probably won't happen in my lifetime, but at some point, just make it normal. You know, it, it's part of humanity. It's part of society. It's been around forever, identity, uh, your identity and who you are. Um, and normalize it to the point where it's just not that big a deal anymore. Right. You know, and I, I, don't, I hope we can get there. There's the thing I want to I um, share with you uh, when you were talking and you, about... And you wrote a book, right? I, I wrote several books. Oh, that's but right. There's a recent one. Well, the new one. Well, in fact... Oh, did you do that? I'm sorry. I, yeah. She's merciless, isn't she? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I love her. This is, in fact, this is a thing that's actually in the new book. Um, but it's oh, thing, good. Okay. But it's a thing that I think you can. I hope you'll you'll feel free to use this. It's a. Um, so one of the things that happened to me in the last I steal year, all unfortunately. Your stuff. Oh, good. Of course. One you of steal the, my stuff. Okay. One of the things that um, one of the bad things that happened to me in the last year is I've lost a, lot, a great deal of my hearing. So I'm starting to learn ASL. And here's the thing I learned: ten years ago, the sign for. for for um, transgender was this, which is, this is the, the word, the, the sign for, um, uh, for sex, and it would be, you take sex and turn it around, like, and that was our understanding of, of transgender people like that. Here's the new sign. So I'll do it real slowly. So. Growing boobs? There's. <laughs> 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 well, here's, it's a flower, Caitlin. Oh, it's a flower. Wait, wait, go, oh. Here, go like this. So here's the, everybody do this. Take a, make a flower, and the petals are facing down, and put it over your left, your left chest. What and, if I'm, and as it's, what and, if I'm right-handed? Can I still do it that way? You can do it, oh, you, okay, you can do it with Okay, there. I'll go, yeah. And, okay, so it's like this now, as it comes, so it's, it's, as it comes out, rotate it towards the ceiling and open the petals like this, okay? And now it can go back in your heart, facing the right way. Okay, do it real fast, ready? So what I think, when you're I talking like about Bruce, um, it was time for Bruce to go in and Caitlin to come out. Right. It makes me think that um, transgender people do this thing that all of us go through, where we're, I mean, whether you're trans or whatever you are, you're talking about stuff. We all have stuff. We have stuff that's in our hearts English teacher talking. It's a flower that's in your heart that cannot bloom because it's trapped inside. It comes out like this. It sees the light of day. It walks around. There are no more secrets in my life. I like that one. And it goes back in like that. And, and then you can be yourself. And that's true whether you're, whether you're trans or whether any, whatever kind of human you are. I think that's true. Well, gee, this is... Hey.
This has been this has been real it was fun. fun. Um, I want to thank you, Caitlin, thank for um, everything that you've contributed. And do I get? A, is your book actually out? Do I get a free copy on my? You'll way get out? a free copy. So in fact, it works like this. Um, <laughs> our books, both of our books, are for sale out there in the book. I guess there's a book buying area um, over, over um, just outside the, the main door here, and. Um, Caitlin's are signed, but if you buy a copy of Caitlin's book, you can have a photograph of her taken. Um, and if you buy a copy of my book, you can get a photograph, and I'll sign it. Um, oh, this is the parts I signed? Are the books that I signed? Your, yeah, your books are signed. Oh, wow. So, Please, yeah. get the book. Okay. <laughs> they call up and they say, we would love for you to sign, and they send just the piece of paper. Okay. Um, and then, then when they make the book, they insert it into the book. And so I said, sure, I'll sign it. Well, all of a sudden, one day, I go to the front door, and there's boxes like this high. <laughs> and I go, huh? I said, what is this? I didn't even know what it was. I open it up, and I pull the page. 10,000 signatures, OK? And I go uh, to my assistant, uh, I, 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 I got to sign. 10,000 times uh, for a whole month of like January, started in December, right after Christmas. And it took me a good five weeks. I was sitting there on New Year's Eve, <laughs> all by myself in my house with my You're little computer me. on my lap. I got the ball coming down and I'm signing. And I kept sending buzz pictures. And then numbering them. So, and then finally, I've got, and I've got a picture of literally about five or six stacks this high of paper. So what was harder, 10,000 signatures or the Olympics? Signatures. He's thinking. <laughs> I knew what I was doing at the games, yeah. Thanks very much. Caitlin Jenner. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 92i Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations at 92iondemand.org.